0: Welcome to Following the Way. We're a podcast that's all about following Jesus and learning his way for our lives. We believe that scripture reveals this way and invites us to follow. We're glad you're with us as we seek together. Hello everyone and welcome to our podcast. So glad that you can be with us. We have been going through the book of Hebrews over the past while, uh, taking it chapter by chapter and digging in a little bit deeper and using it as a uh, devotional resource um, and and talking through some of the themes and some of the specific verses uh, in the book of Hebrews. Uh, a book that, as I've mentioned previously, can be sometimes hard to understand or we can... Um, read through some of its themes and, and kind of feel a little bit lost, um, especially as it relates to such a specific focus on the Old Testament and the sacrificial system and uh, the law and and all these things and how uh, the writer of Hebrews draws these into God's uh, plan of redemption, his plan in Jesus, and, and sort of this overarching theme over Hebrews that Jesus is greater than all of these things. He's, he's, it starts with talking about how Jesus is greater than the angels. Then it goes on to how he's greater than Moses. Uh, it speaks about him <clears throat> as our high priest. And it also speaks of now as we get into Hebrews 8, uh, it's looking at him as this, as the eternal high priest, how, um, because he is this, uh, that the new covenant that he brings, which has been previously mentioned just briefly in, in Hebrews 7, uh, is now unpacked to see how it's much greater than the old covenant. And so, we're going to spend our time in Romans 8 uh, today looking at this. And and the writer of Hebrews, he comes to, to Hebrews 8, and he begins by, by saying here, the point of what we're saying is this. And so, what he's sort of getting at is that he's gotten to the essential matter um, and everything leads up to this. And that is that we have an infinitely superior high priest and he ministers for us in heaven itself. And at the end of Hebrews 7 had touched on this, that it speaks of how Jesus is able to save us completely, there's no doubt of that, and that he lives to intercede for us. And this is one of those important points that the writer here is drawing out, that Jesus is not just the sacrifice for us, he is that, but the ministry that he now has is as an intercessor on our behalf. And it, it really, what it, what it unpacks for us and reveals is that his sacrificial work was once for all in history. It, it doesn't, it's not ongoing. And uh, the writer gets a little bit more into that in, in Hebrews 9. But what he, the point he's making here is that the present work of Jesus is to pray for us and that he does this on our behalf with compassion and so this is what the the writer of Hebrews goes on to say. He says, the point of what we're saying is this. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by man. And then it goes on, it says, every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. You know, I'm actually, I'm going to stop. I just want to go back. I want to make a note here actually. When it says there that we have a high priest who's sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, that is a a way of saying in, in Hebrew understanding that Jesus is our exalted and triumphant Lord, uh, that he's now forever with God, that he's with his father, and that he's in a place of sovereignty and authority. And and we looked at this a little bit in, in Hebrews 7, where it spoke of Jesus as being uh, a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek, uh, that his priesthood never ends, um, that, that he's ascended to this eternal throne, and he's now serving as the minister in this sanctuary, if you will. And so This is actually an important point not to miss for us in that it's saying Jesus is the exalted Lord. He's the son of God. There's, you know, there's, there's parts of Christianity that want to really focus in on uh, the social justice Jesus or um, Jesus as our teacher, which I fully embrace. There's, there's, there's those aspects of Jesus that we want to embrace And certainly we need to learn from Jesus as our teacher. That's something uh, that as far as being a disciple of Jesus, a Talmudim of Jesus is so, so important. But we don't want to in that miss the fact, the truth here that he is the exalted Lord. As well above all things that he's he is not just a mere man that was a great man or a good man that walked this earth he's actually the exalted Son of God that's over all things and and certainly if we have a robust view of the New Testament, we see that throughout the New Testament spoken of in Ephesians and Colossians and elsewhere of, of who Jesus is and his place throughout all of eternity but we we have to, Uh, realize here that it's as as the ascended and exalted Lord, Jesus is the one who determines our ideals and doesn't match what we think he should be. In fact, we are submitting to him. And so it says there, it goes on and it, it says, every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. And so it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, for there already are already men who offer the gifts prescribed by the law, meaning it's talking there about the Levitical priesthood, Jesus was not from the from the line, the Levitical line of priests, he was from the tribe of Judah. And so again it's speaking of, of that, that, that Jesus wouldn't have fallen in that priesthood line on this earth. It says they serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. It's, this is the, this is the part, a part of Hebrews, not the part, but a part of Hebrews that, again, can be hard for us to understand. And it's so important for us in this to not, to, to understand that there is an inclination sometimes or a temptation uh, or even a willingness to sort of divorce and remove contemporary evangelical Christianity away from the roots of our Jewish faith. And that that we come from Judaism, that that we are not um, a new a new religion. We actually were birthed in this. And so the trouble is that if we don't if we don't spend time in the Old Testament, if we don't spend time, um seeking to understand more about uh, the systems of the Old Testament then it is it is quite possible that Hebrews there's there's parts of Hebrews that won't make a lot of sense to us because we're we're just going to go like what are they, what are they talking about here and they're talking about the 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 ministry of the priests on this earth and how the tabernacle that they served in And the system that God had put in place for them was a copy and a shadow of what was in heaven and that Jesus now, it goes on in verse six, it says, but the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is a mediator, of which he is mediator is superior to the old one. And it is founded on better promises and so this is sort of a hinge verse within Hebrews 8 that the ministry of Jesus is superior to what came before him. And that's that's what's meant to be grasped for us is that we are not uh, meant to divorce ourselves from from what has come before, but we we want to understand that that Jesus has brought in a much superior system and he, and he, and it's modeled of of he's operating and and he's functioning as this eternal high priest in heaven um in in the truest sense of the word and and of the system and that anything everything on this earth in the, in the old sacrificial system was just a copy a shadow of what Jesus was going to bring and And that's why his ministry now, though is not simply as a sacrifice. he's actually um, he is our intercessor, and so the offering has already been made that's that's why it says there that uh, he was he was appointed a high priest, and it was necessary for this one <clears throat> also to have something to offer. He had something to offer. And that's the tense there. It's not that he he goes on having something to offer, but he he offered it um, once and for all, as it says uh, in Hebrews 9. And so now he lives to make intercession for us. He ministers in that way. He offers prayer for us continually to the Father on behalf of us as his people. And so... What's, what's incredible about this is that this, this is our confidence. This is not our complacency. This is not meant to lead us to complacency. This is actually meant to ground and form in us confidence that our faith is grounded, not in what we are or what we have done, but forever and always in who Jesus is, that he Jesus is God's perfect son and we're that we're formed and grounded in what he has done through his perfect eternal sacrifice because he is the ministry of Jesus is just far superior to what's come before and it's founded on better promises now and and this is what the this is what the writer of Hebrews says there in, in verse 7 he says if if there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant then there wouldn't have been any place, there wouldn't have been any need for another one. And then to back up this point, this is where the the rest of Hebrews 8 goes. Um, the writer says, but God found fault with the people and said, and then the writer here quotes from Jeremiah 31, verses 31 to 34. So he he quotes three verses, which is quite a chunk of, of Old Testament scripture to the uh, one of the largest chunks that we would see referenced in the New Testament. But it's really, really clear here that he wants to make the point to the people that the Abrahamic covenant, the, the better promise that Jesus mediates is one of faith. And it's not based on law and works and and what we see here is that from the time that this promise was spoken of through the prophet Jeremiah the the Jewish people knew that the mosaic covenant was not permanent that the prophet had spoken that God had spoken through Jeremiah the prophet and promised a new one and so it's it's pretty incredible that the the writer of Hebrews He focuses on this to such an extent that he quotes the entire promise right here. And then, as if that weren't enough, he quotes it again in chapter 10 of Hebrews, where he goes back to part of that, to to remind the people again of God's promise to them. And so, he's making the point to them that, and this is again where we, it's, it's so important for us to grasp the importance of covenant with God, the importance of the Mosaic covenant with his people, and that... It was for a time, but it was inadequate and it was temporary in nature. And so this is important for us because the, the writer of Hebrews does not want any reader of this letter, whether Jewish or whether Gentile, to now regard Christianity as something completely new and separated or divorced from what came before. And so it's this essential realization of the Old Testament, promise and that it's Jesus who is the direct and all the fulfillment, the only fulfillment of all the sacrifices and the ceremonial and priesthood of the old covenant, that all of that finds its fullness in Jesus. And so this is where we pick up what it says in Jeremiah. It says the time is coming declares the Lord when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant and I turned away from them. What's so uh, incredible here is is it's a little, it's a kind of a little detail uh, that maybe sometimes we don't pick up, but where the writer Jeremiah says, uh, where the, well, I should say the Lord says through Jeremiah that I'm going to make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. And so that's that's pointing to during the reign of Rohobom, the kingdom uh, that had been united under Saul, David, and Solomon. It became divided and you had the two parts. You had Israel, the north, and Judah, and they became alienated and estranged. And so there was bitterness and hostility that that had divided them. And if you read the accounts in the Old Testament, it was it was really bad. And so the Lord is is drawing and, and seeing us he wants us to see he's going to draw those two together. And and it symbolizes here the reconciliation that is affected by the better covenant brought by Jesus. And so, you know, certainly we could apply that then to the reconciliation brought between Jews and Gentiles, and it just adds another layer of richness when we see that God's promise to unite his people and all people together. And and it's all because the all of its all the old ceremonial laws, all the old Mosaic covenant has been superseded by Jesus. And so it goes on there and, and um, it says, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After that time declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man, his brother saying, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. This is the incredible nature of this covenant that that this new covenant is going to be within us. It's going to form every part of our souls. It's, as John Stott's commentary on Hebrews uh, notes, says that this was not a new covenant in its promise in that I will be their God for, the old covenant offered already that same intimate relationship, but it was new in its ability to enable us not only to learn God's instructions, but actually the ability to obey them. And so we see here, the I wills that God says here. I will put their lo- my laws in their minds. I will be their God. I will forgive their wickedness. And I will remember their sins and more. There's a bunch of I wills here from the Lord. And so this is incredible for us because they they take away the propensity for us to be uncertain or to be timid or to doubt or to have fear about about whether or not we can please God, whether we can be in relationship with God. It says, this is this is not about what we will do. This is not about what we can do. This is about what God will do. And this is what he does in us by the power of, uh, through, the, through the resurrection of Jesus, through the sacrifice of Jesus, through the perfect sacrifice of his son, and then through the power of his resurrection and through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. This is what he does in us. And the promise is that he, he God's saying all will have the ability to know me. Every single person on planet earth has the ability to know me and to have relationship with me because my son who is, has all sovereignty, all authority. He's in heaven. He lives to intercede on behalf of those. And and he's he wants to draw all men to himself. And so this this is of course incredibly important and i think we see this importance in the, with from the writer of hebrews here because he puts such an emphasis on quoting all of this from jeremiah he doesn't want to just take snippets he wants the breadth of what god was going to do to just be there and go like wow this is what god is going to do this is the promise that god had already spoken hundreds of years before that the the god's people they knew that there was a, a new, better covenant coming, that the one that they had was temporary. And he's saying, and it's all been found. It's all been fulfilled in the ministry of Jesus and in the sacrifice of Jesus. And 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 what's massively important is that this isn't now about outward actions. It's not about what, whether or not we do something ceremonially right. It's not about our legalism. It's not about any of these things that where we may try to make ourselves righteous and acceptable and enough before God. It's about our hearts. It's about God coming and changing our minds. He's changing our hearts. He's, he's making it so that everyone... Can know Him, and and our sins are forgiven. That we we actually have we're, we're we're righteous before Him. We have the righteousness of Jesus. We're clothed with His righteousness, and not with any of our own accomplishments. Not with anything that we've done, or somehow we've made ourselves enough. That that is that is that's old covenant thinking, and it's not. It's not based in the truth of the new covenant of what God will do. And so now we, we pause here because it certainly doesn't end here. We go on to Hebrews 9 and we'll go on to Hebrews 10. And so we we see this in Hebrews where it, the, the, the focus changes as we get on in the letter where there's we're looking, we've been looking at the superiority of Jesus every step of the way here. And, and it's going to shift a little bit as we get closer to the end of Hebrews because we're pausing here. And the shift is going to be that there's the superiority of faith and what it calls us to because it doesn't call us to any sort of complacent life in Christ. It calls us to an active, active vibrant life in Christ because we're living out of what Jesus has done for us. We're living out of what God has done in our minds and in our hearts and how he's transformed us. So looking forward to digging into that the next time. Until then, my friends, be blessed. I hope that this has been an encouragement to you and uh, has been a tool to to increase your knowledge and affection uh, and love for this part of God's word in the New Testament. So Lord willing. We'll see you again.